So uh, Tim says, uh, great answer and thanks for the kind words. Close Factor and Modigi, both awesome up and comers that CRO should have on their radars. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks, Tim. So from Joe O'Malley, uh, we have what, what's the best way to manage the ICP issue as a BDR at a company with that type of environment where ownership can sometimes be sporadic? And I guess you could probably uh, add in that, you know, probably the identification of the ICP is probably sporadic and changes and they may not be that prescriptive. All right. This is going to sound like a total plant for the company I'm advising, advising. But if you look at the RevOps stack and and we actually on your site, uh, we've published how you look at a RevOps stack. There is nobody. You have LinkedIn. That's a standard. You have Zoom Info. Those are standards. Outreach, maybe Sales Loft. Those are standards for a BDR today. There is nothing that helps a BDR and AE prioritize the ICP. What are the accounts I should be calling on now? You need the right account, the right person to talk to, the right message at the right time. And the best folks are doing it on spreadsheets. Close factor, actually a bunch of LinkedIn folks. Turns out that's, that's really expert data. And job boards are scraping all that and they're scraping all the 10 Qs so that you can look at all your technographic data. You can look at all your accounts. Maybe I want to call on GCP users today or Amazon users tomorrow. Maybe I got to call on, on these different personas. It's the only thing I've seen. It's why I'm all in uh, to really scale ICP execution to the BDR and AE, which is the only place that you can foot it to, to really know if your ICP is actually working yeah. And, and great answer, Mark. And then Joe, great question. Uh, another way to look at it would be say, okay, you know, who's, who's selling a lot and what are they selling to? So a couple yeah. of examples would be, okay, if, you know, big Wall Street financials, you know, they just did a deal Goldman Sachs. Okay. Go knock on the doors of, you know, of others. So that, you know, it may or may not be your, your territory. So obviously you got to figure out how you can get the territory. Uh, another one would be maybe it's, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, restaurant chains. Maybe there's some software things that you have for restaurant chains. So if you see that it works there, because you certainly have so many different industries, so many geographies, so many different sizes, and then don't under underestimate the value of reference selling as well. So for mm -hmm. places where you've sold things before, or maybe your peers that are in the pit with you, uh, hopefully there's some face-to-face -face that's going on. Say, hey, you know, ask, you know, hey, everybody, let's have everybody ask you know, for any referrals that they have, any friends at similar companies. And obviously people want to be selfish to get referrals into companies that they can cover, but also nothing wrong with getting referrals to um, other companies. Uh, when I was at a EMC and uh, opened up the uh, UK office uh, in New York City, um, uh, Andy O'Brien and uh, Tom Heiser became my best friends because they were selling into uh, banks there in New York. And I'd say, hey, I ask who their people are in London, which sounds like a real basic thing. But, you know, what a fantastic entree I could say, hey, we're, we're selling to you know, Joe and Susie and Sally you know, in, in New York. They said we should be talking to you. OK, great. You know, roll out the red carpet. Much easier sales cycle than than doing cold calling. You agree, I assume? I do. I'm going to hit you with a crazy concept. I was, I'm actually leaving a CRO search uh, for a, um, a great PLG company I'm doing an advisory for 80 million 
and ARR with less than 800K average order, $800 average order size. Imagine that velocity. And so we're looking for a PLG leader and I've engaged two boutique retained search firms and I wrote the spec for the founders to really get the right person. And they're, they work, they're four founders from MIT. They really work great together and they're in the office every day because you know, they're efficient, unlike that. And I told each one of the recruiters, hey, if you can meet these folks in person, it's going to be a real advantage. And neither one did. And I guarantee the one that would have gone on site to meet the CEO and the, and the, and the founders would have won the business. Oh, and, totally. and like you're not even thinking about that anymore is the press the flesh, the in-person meeting uh is is so valuable especially for strategic decisions right um anyway absolutely um so speaking about plg so in this year uh, so according to mark zuckerberg in this year of efficiency uh you've got plenty of ideas on how to drive teamwork and efficiency what about getting leverage yeah so that's something a cro has got to be looking at all the time is is play chess, not checkers, a couple of quarters ahead. Because these are the things that take a lot of uh, long-term planning. So PLG, you know, um, it's sales serve versus self-serve. And if you can build a self-serve business model, that's fantastic. But maybe you didn't start off that way. Maybe it's a a sales serve type of business. As a CRO, you need to be looking for that PLG opportunity. Maybe it's a de-featured product that you can sell, or maybe you're in enterprise and mid-market and you could de-feature the product. Uh, and you can simplify it to serve SMB. And for all revenue could be really good revenue from that standpoint. So I'm just, I think you need to think about it as a CRO. What are all my levers, right? So often sales leaders do whatever go to market they were good at and you create sales debt along the way. You need to be thinking about efficiency that we talked about, but leverage and two forms of leverage really is PLG. Where is that? And the irony right now is a lot of the PLG companies are trying to also get good at outreach and do sales serve because, oh my gosh, the PLG motion is slowing down. What do I, what do I do now? Um, so that, that PLG motion, I think you don't want to be pure. You're probably, uh, want to optimize for uh, your ICP, sales serve and 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 self serve, um, um, and with this company I'm working with right now, that's 80 million. 80 percent of that is self serve. Uh, what an amazing model! But don't just sub optimize for uh, the self serve. You need you need both those pieces. It's uh, interesting to think about now with all this AI and. Chat GPT, everything else. If uh, you know, especially at that you know lo- lower level, you know, inside seller. If you uh, do, you think companies will actually get rid of inside sales reps? I don't think so, but I just think the nature of the work uh, will change, right? And and uh, if everybody's got the same Chat GPT read on on uh, on a particular topic, what are you going to do to break through? Is still going to be the differentiator. Absolutely. 
So um, channel certainly a big, big topic as well. So uh, a bunch of things that come into play there. Um, what's your take on making sure the solution uh, can be predictably sold by your own sellers first? Yeah, I think that's that's number one is, you know, I think CEOs will always be looking at with the CRO, hey, where, what about a channel motion? Uh, when's the right time to do it? And a CRO really needs to invest way ahead of when you're going to get predictable revenue. It always works in Excel, but it takes longer in the wild <laughs> to get a channel motion going. So that that is really, Randy, you're on it. That's the first thing to know is, well, am I predictably selling my solution today with my own sellers? Uh, because no channel is really going to meaningfully take on that solution unless they see the breadcrumbs of how uh, they would be able to sell it uh, uh, really predictably. So. Sometimes people might say, well, I'll just have the channel sell it. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to first solve that repeatability uh, to really get into a channel. And so once you, you're starting to see that repeatability, then play chess with, all right, how, what would be good alliance partners? Where, where are customers buying this? What, what's their buying patterns so we can align the right uh, sales strategy through channels? And then I would say they have to get paid and have good margin, right? Yeah, that's the thing. If if it's uh, if it's a repeatable sales motion, okay, good. I'm interested as a as a channel partner. But what's the return on invested capital uh, going to be? Is it predictable margins? Uh, is the street price pretty consistent? Am I going to get twenty plus uh, gross margin on resale? Uh, as an example, that calculus has got to work. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get a head fake. The channel partner might say they'll sell it uh, on their dance card, but they won't dedicate resources to it. And then um, making sure the rules of engagement are straightforward, right? If I'm a if I'm a channel partner and I'm worried about your sales team taking a deal direct that I bring, I mean that's that's taboo. Yeah, it really is. It, this this is you got to dance with the one that brung you. So if they gave you the lead, you can't uh, you can't cut them out. Even and the customer would be, hey, what if I bought it directly? No, 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 no. And if you want to put a measure to it, you can't be fifty fifty on channels. You you, you got to take eighty. If you're going to really let get the leverage, you got to lean into eighty five percent plus of your your motion being through channels, not fifty fifty. That'll that'll never work. Yeah. Well, the other side of it is, I guess you could identify different niches, right? So a lot of companies may do direct into the largest global accounts and they may have an SMB motion, uh, which is through the channel, or they might say, hey, we're going to be US centric here, but then we're going to be channel only in me and APJ. So there's also, I think, a lot, a lot of variations on the, on the theme, right? Well, you are a channel as- expert, a sophisticate of channels, and that that is exactly right. Uh, thank you. And then, what about uh, incentives needing to be aligned? Oh my gosh! You don't think you don't put this down? It ain't gonna work. So, I'm also writing comp plans a lot for for my uh, the companies I'm working with. Uh, you know, quota comp all all work together. And you want to design these things in for scale as well. So, one thing that we're doing is, I see the early stage reps are like, "Well, it ought to be comp neutral to work with a channel." Okay. Show me comp neutral in a comp plan and I'll show you your quota is actually larger versus, you know, the incentive ought to be for an AE is if it goes through the channel. You're going to get more deals. You ought to be paid on what the net proceeds are to the company. 
and that is, so if it's a hundred K deal, 20 K goes to the, the, the reseller partner, you get 80 K of ARR and, and you're paid on that. And the give get is I'm just, I'm going to get into a lot more deals and I'm going to learn a lot more uh, working with the channel. partner. Right, right, right. They don't I mean through all the years, I have violent agreement with what you just said, but that common sense does not prevail. Oh. Look at it per deal. And I've never been able to figure it out. And then I just will roll over and just say, okay, forget about it. We're going to do comp neutral because we got to get, we got to drive the right behavior. No. So you know how you solve for that? I finally figured it out. It's part of your interview process with the AE. You find out, has the, does the rep stand in front of the channel, building the business, using it as a tool to build their business? Or are they sitting behind the channel looking for leads? Hire for that. Yeah, but they can easily give an answer. So here, here's one on the, on the comp plan side. So before you said something about uh, earlier on here about reps not being paid until kind of some level of kind of customer success. So you obviously have key points where you can get sold on the, on the booking, on the revenue. And then sounds like you might be suggesting a, a, a later piece in the cycle. Nope. Nope. I would, I would, um, I'd say you pay in the booking, but um, in Salesforce, you can't close out the close one in, in, in the companies I work with until value one is, is there you go. Okay, great. And then uh, quickly here, because we're, we're out of time, what about uh, when's the right time to build a channel? After you have a repeatable motion, uh, you're dedicated to um, uh, the right kind of return on investment for the channel partner, and you got your incentives aligned. <laughs> I wouldn't do it before that. Yep. Awesome. But a lot of times, too, though, you also have the channel partners who have some key relationships that can help you early on. Yeah. So if you've got some trusted relationships, you can say, look, we're still baking this out. But if you work with us early on, yeah, you can maybe get some special access or you know some other things that could come into play. Yeah, we talked a lot about channels, but alliances too is what is your customer need? Uh, you got me. What is your user need to implement your solution? If there's gaps in that and there's other technologies, that's a great alliance partner to go focus on as well. Sell with as well as self too. Awesome. Very cool. So, uh, Mark, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Tucker was kind enough to uh, post the blogs. Blog number three is the one that is uh, relevant to what we're talking about today. And uh, you can get a uh, preview, I guess, to uh, blog number four by seeing that there. So thanks. And uh, your wisdom is uh, amazing and your thoughtfulness is uh, always is great. So um, next week uh, on Monday, uh, we've got the legendary Tom Mendoza, who had been at uh, NetApp uh, as an early sales leader, then eventually vice chairman. He's on the boards of a bunch of companies like Vronis, Vast Data, UiPath, uh, the, uh, that other Catholic school that's in South Bend. Mm -hmm. Their uh, <laughs> uh, business school is uh, named after him, and he's yeah, amazing in all areas, but especially around uh, culture and leadership. And uh, we're doing it on a Monday because I anticipate our uh, usual Wednesday that uh, hopefully Alabama will be in the uh, SEC baseball tournament. So try to uh, de-risk de me having to change around, especially with somebody like Tom. And uh, thanks to Modigi for uh, sponsoring today. And uh, for those that are members of the sales community, thanks. And for those that are not, 
feel free to check us out at salescommunity.com and you can click on the link spring free. So Tucker also, thanks for your help behind the scenes. Uh, Mark, uh, you're awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Randy, for having me. And all you go to market teams, you need to hang together or as Ben Franklin said, you're going to hang separately.